Y'all may be seated. We're going to go over our title verse this morning. Uh, the title of this sermon series is He is Coming with the Clouds. And um, see, one of the things that we all agree on is that Christ is coming back the second advent. In other words, when Christ returns and places his feet on the earth and reigns for a thousand years um, and so uh, this is what we mean when we say he's coming back. Now, remember, that's different from what we've been talking about with the rapture of the church, where he actually takes the church to heaven. That's not when Christ comes to get the church. He's, we're going to meet him in the clouds and he's going to take us back to heaven uh, to be with him. And there's going to be a seven year tribulation period. The, the Bible calls it a time of great trouble. And uh, the tr we won't be here for that. We'll be in heaven celebrating with Jesus while that's going on. And then after the end of that seven years, Christ will return and actually step foot on the earth. We're gonna, I'm going to continue to explain that to you as, it goes by, as we go. But uh, let's read this together when we get to the underlying part. Ready? Uh, Revelation 1-7. Behold, ready? He is coming with the clouds. And in every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. That's talking about when Christ actually returns and reigns for a thousand years. Now, I want to show you this. Where I added one block to the chart this morning. So uh, let me just run through this with you really quickly, because I know this can be really confusing. So we see the first block there is the church age that's us right now as we sit. This is, what that, this is what the church age looks like. Those that are saved under the grace of Christ that come and worship him. The church, uh, i got to tell you all a funny story really quickly. Uh, so last uh, on Wednesday night, we had the kid, the youth time and all that. Well, Monty brought a, uh, one of those really nice coolers. Uh, what do you call that thing? A Yeti. Yeti. A Yeti cooler full of watermelon. And, of course, that made my day. And um, uh, we had watermelon, and then he donated that. I'm not doing this to toot his horn, but he donated that Yeti Cooley to the cooler to the church, all right, So, which is really great, and thank you for that, by the way. But we were, we, so uh, there was watermelon left, and I wasn't leaving it here. So I put it in the back seat of the truck, and Kobe was with me, and we got in the truck, and he says, hey, what's that cooler in the truck for? And I said, well, uh, I said, it's got watermelon in it. He says, where we get it? I said, well, Monty gave it to the church. And he says, all right. <laughs> he says, that means it's ours. <laughs> and I said, no, it's the church's. It belongs to the church. And he says, that means it belongs to you. You're the preacher. You're the boss of the church. They're... <laughs> And so I had to spend some time explaining to him that the church is not a building, but the church is the people. Well, I, I think we've got that worked out. I'm not positive, but we're working on it, y'all. So anyway, okay, so the church, when I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about this building, but I'm talking about all of you right now as we sit. We're in the church age. We're in the age of the church where we're, we're experiencing the grace of God, right? Well, one day, which we've covered, we, we covered that a couple of weeks ago, there will be a rapture of the church where Christ appears in the clouds and takes the church to heaven with him and we will go to heaven and that's what we've been preaching on so last week we I kind of showed you how the church is in heaven through the 24 elders where they had their crowns because they sat in the judgment seat of Christ and they received their crowns um, 
And they had those in heaven with them, and that's how they worshiped. This was a picture of the church. Now, today, I'm going to talk about, I'm gonna, because what I've been trying to do with you is I've been trying to show you pictures in the Bible of the church in heaven before the tribulation starts. The, matter of fact, oh, next week's study, we're going to talk about how the actual rapture of the church brings about the tribulation, how it happens that way. So this week, we're going to talk about that block right there, a new song in heaven. There's a new song in heaven that's sung that we're going to cover, and that song is the church and the angels singing praise to Jesus. And just to give you a little hint, it's an antiphonal song, just like you just sang. Okay, so it looks like that in the scripture. So we're going to talk about this new song that the church sings in heaven. And so that's where we are. And next week, we'll talk about how the church's rapture brings on the tribulation. So let's read together uh, the entire chapter of Revelation chapter 5. Are you ready? It's not that long. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang, ready, and they sang what? A new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads, thousands of thousands, sang with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That's the end of the chapter right there. So I want to talk first about this seven seals that is that the Lamb takes. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Uh, on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed 
with seven seals. Now, if y'all want to read ahead, uh, that's fine with me. That's great. Uh, I've, uh, since I've started this, I've read through the book of Revelation several times, getting myself re-familiar with everything. And, um, and this, these seven seals represent something that's going to take place in just a little while in our next study. That what's going to take place is the seven years tribulation period. These seven seals represent that seven years of tribulation. And each seal that is open represents something that takes place in that seven years. So when it says, when he saw in the back, there were seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Here it is. Let's read that, church. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one was in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it. Now I want to tell you why this is. Why the angels weren't worthy. And why uh, there was no one in heaven worthy, why there was no one on earth worthy, why there was no one under the earth worthy. The reason why is because that those seven seals represent something that you as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, will never see, God's judgment. Um, you, because you are a follower of Jesus, I hope you are, if you're not this morning, Let's talk before you leave this place, okay? Because if you are a follower of Jesus, when the Bible says that Jesus took your judgment for you, so you will not face the judgment of God in the seven-year tribulation period because it was already taken. If those that say that the church will go through seven years of tribulation with everybody else, they don't understand redemption very well because the seven-year tribulation is definitely judgment and you have already traded your judgment for righteousness when Christ took your debt on the cross. So judgment is not for you. And that's what I want you to understand, that this, these, these seven seals represent the judgment of God, and you're in heaven. There's my first point, okay? So um, there was no one worthy to do that. They couldn't find anyone worthy. The Apostle Paul, I mean the Apostle John, who's writing this, he says, I started weeping because I, don't, I didn't know if we were going to find anyone worthy to open these scrolls. Um, I want to show you something. These, these seven, this this seven-year tribulation period is written out in several places in Scripture. Here's just a couple of them. And at that time, this is in the book of Daniel. And at that time, Daniel 12:1, Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there. Let's read that right there. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since. There was a nation till that time. What's he saying? No one. This time that's coming, this seven years that's coming, is a time that you won't face, but it will be a time where no one has ever seen anything like it on earth. It's going to be so awful and so bad, there's never been a time in human history since God created the world that we have ever seen anything like this. And that time is coming, but not for you. Look at the reason why I say this. Look at this. But at that, listen, at that time, what? Your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. See, what he's saying there, you all know what that book is? It's called, the Revelation describes it as the Lamb's Book of Life. 
And when you trust Christ as your Savior, when you give Him your life, there, there's a song, and it's called, There's a New Name Written Down in Glory. And it goes like this. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. That song, okay? What that song means is when I was saved, my name, Wade Yarbrough, was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you are saved, your name, when you trust Jesus as your Savior, put your, you can understand that your name has been placed in the Lamb's Book of Life. And if your name is placed in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you will not face the time of great trouble that Daniel describes here in Daniel 12.1. Look at what it says in Matthew 24.21. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now and no and never will be. This time that is talked about where these seven seals are opened is going to be a horrible time. So people, you know, okay, I want you to think about this for a minute. Because we have seen, our world has seen history repeat itself. We've gone through trials and wars and all kinds of things. We've gone through plagues, right? We've gone through many things. But those things are just things to let us know that this time is coming. Look at what, it says, what Jesus says right here in 24, 5, 8. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. How many people have we seen? How many times have we seen someone come along and say, I'm Jesus? How many times have we seen people come along and say, they're the Antichrist, right? They say that. They, uh, that there are lots of types of those, right? We've seen that many times. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. How many times have y'all seen that since you've been alive on this earth? Um, and it says, and, um, and it, let, read that right there, please. Let's read that. Because this is, this, is, this is the time that Jesus is talking about. This is where we're at right now. Things aren't rosy. They're, they're not great. They can get kind of bad. They're not great right now. But it's not. I'm telling you, it's not the tribulation time. The tribulation is going to be so much worse than anything we'll ever experience, right? And it says, ready? Let's read that online part. And, and please, let this speak to your heart right now. Ready? See that you are not alarmed. Why should you not be alarmed? Who lives here? Amen, right? For the, uh, this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. How many of you all have seen that since you've been alive? And these are but, ready, the beginning of birth pains. And what he's saying there, um, you know, back a long, long time ago when my first child came along, um, he was a big boy when he was born. He, Weighed about nine pounds and three ounces. And uh, I remember uh, my wife, uh, we lived in, y'all don't shoot me for this. I was in the Marines, I couldn't help it. We lived in Colts Neck, New Jersey, right? Two kids all by ourselves. And uh, she woke me up in the middle of the night one night. I just happened to be home, wasn't home very much. Uh, and uh, she said, Wade, it's time. 
I said, it's time. She says, yes, the baby's coming. Okay, we had an old Chevrolet pickup. It's an 82 model, single cab, pretty pickup, but that thing ran like crap. Right? <laughs> well, I run out there, and typically what I had to do when I went anywhere, I don't know what was wrong with it, but I had to go out there and start on it for a little bit, come back in, let it set for 10 minutes, and I'd go out there and it'd crank right up. Well, of course, I run out there. It's about... 2 o'clock in the morning, I jump in that pickup, and I said, Lord, please. <laughs> Nothing. So I run back in the, in the, we had a little apartment. I run back in the apartment, I said, Pam, can you wait? <laughs> no, I can't wait. So I run over, knock on the neighbor's door. This lady didn't know us from Adam, and I told her, I said, my truck won't start, my wife's having a baby. I said, could you please take us to the hospital. You know what that lady did? She didn't know me. She handed me the keys to her car and said, I need it back by 6 o'clock so I can go to work. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Man, we jumped in her car and we took off and I took her to the hospital and we had a baby boy. But while we were in that hospital, I was in a struggle. As you see, my wife was in birth pains and there was a John Wayne movie on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I got in so much trouble. <laughs> but there was no doubt when, uh, when she was in contractions, there was no doubt that there was a baby coming. Now, the baby, when the baby got there, it was all over and all good, but there was a baby on the way. Well, Christ is making a comparison to what we're seeing now as, a, as something for us to look at and realize that Man, there's a baby on the way. There's, there's, uh, the, we're in those beginnings of birth pains now, but there's going to come a time when this is going to be full-blown. And that's what he's trying to explain to us here. So no, we're not in the tribulation. No, we won't even be here for the tribulation. But he's saying, church, wake up. When you see things like this, be ready for it's coming. You need to understand that. And so, uh, and by the way, let me tell you this too, because... Um, I'm not, I don't like gloom and doom, right? And I'm not about preaching gloom and doom. I believe in this time that the church should be more prevalent, more alive, and more joyful than any other time in the world in the, in the, that we've experienced in our lives. Uh, you know, people, I had people say, man, I, I don't know if I want to have kids in this world this day, these days. I'm telling you, if you're a believer, you need to have all the kids you can have and raise them to love Jesus so they can go out and tell other people about Jesus. You, you don't need to give up on your life. You need to, you need to uh, man, you need to build up your life in Christ. Have joy while you're living in this time because there's going to be a, com a coming time when Christ will take you to heaven. And man, it's a joyful time. So this is not doom and gloom. This is a time to, man, this is a time to be joyful in the Lord and understand that. So um, let's look at this really quickly. I'm going to run out of time. The lion and the lamb, he is worthy. There was only one that was worthy to open the scroll. And it says, and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. For behold, ready, read it, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, what has he done? He has conquered so that he can open the scroll and the seven seals. In other words, Jesus is the one who is able to begin to pour out judgment on the earth. He's worthy of it, all right? 
And it says, And he be in between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, what did they say? What did he say? I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, and with what? Seven horns, and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So here there's a couple things I need to explain to you. First of all, the lion that they see is the same as the lamb. Okay, we sang that song a while ago, and it made uh, and it and it made reference to both. Hell, hell, lion of Judah, right? Glory, 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 glory to the Lamb. This vision that John sees in heaven is reference to one in the same person. Uh, the lion represents Christ in the second advent. He will come in power and majesty and authority. Uh, the lamb represents what Jesus was in the first advent. He was a sacrificial lamb. One who died on the cross. One who was meek and mild and died on the cross for our sins. Took our place on the cross. Accepted that. But there's coming a time when it will no longer be uh, that way. But the second coming will represent, that will be the lion. I think the lion's outside. Is that a storm out there? Yes. Praise Jesus. We're going to get some more rain. Y'all don't worry about it, okay? All right. So, um, all right. <laughs> yeah, amen. Don't worry about it. It's all good. All right. Um, Y'all keep an eye out there. <laughs> Y'all stay with me, all right? Okay. So, uh, there are people out going out to roll up their windows in their cars. All right, so, and then it says that they had seven horns. This represents complete, absolute authority. Christ has authority over everything. That's why he's able to open the seals. And the seven eyes represent the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who's working in the earth. And it's the complete Spirit of God. Jesus, what I tell you, when you look at Jesus, you see God in his completeness. And that's what we see here. And that's why you see all the symbolism with the seven horns and the seven eyes. Horns always represent... When you read about horns in Revelation, you will read about authority or crowns or, or kingdoms. When you read about eyes, you'll read about omnipotence and all-seeing. So that's why he sees this vision right here, and that's, that's what he's looking at, okay? So the lion is worthy. I want to tell you why the lion is worthy. Here it is. You ready? Um, Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came to them. This is after he resurrected on the cross. And he says, and he came to them and says, Ready? Let's read it. All authority in heaven on earth have been given to me. You see, what, how did the authority come to him? Because he had risen from the dead. Revelation chapter 5, we just read it, it said Jesus conquered. And because he conquered, he was worthy to open the scrolls. He was worthy to open the seals. He was the only one because God gave him all authority after he had risen from the dead. Um, look at John 10, 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Let's look at that. Please read this and understand it. What does he say? I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. You know what Jesus is saying there? He said, I have authority to lay my life down for... I, I, it's been, no one's taken my life from me. You understand when he put himself on that cross... Those Roman soldiers, they, they weren't forcing him there. He, he had the authority to lay his life down. He laid his own life down. But this is the incredible part. This is the part that amazes me. He said, I have authority to take my own life up again. Now, this is why he had authority over 
the seals. Because Christ, even, yeah, this, this is, listen to this, this is incredible. Even in death, Christ had authority over death. Do you hear me? Even in death, when he was in the grave, when they took his broken, bleeding body and they put it in a grave and rolled a stone there in front of the entrance, even then, Jesus is saying right here, at that point, when I was cold, dead, and bloody, and dirty, I had authority over death right then. That's incredible to me, right? And so, and then, you know, what happened, he was raised on the third day, and so he has authority. And this is the last one, and I love this. Uh, because he has authority over death, Jesus says, I am, and he said to her, ready? I am the resurrection and the life. He who ever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, we have to understand why Christ had authority. Because he conquered death. All right? So it goes on. We... We see this next part, and then there was a new song in heaven, and this is what it says. This is really important that you get a hold of, because I want you, this is what I want you to understand. There's a song that's being sung, and we need, we need to understand who's singing that song, and get this, this is the song that's sung before those seals are broken. This is the song that's sung before the seven years tribulation starts and God's judgment is poured out on the earth. This song that it's sung. And I'm going to show you this morning that you and I are the ones that are singing it. So it says here, And when he had taken the scroll, read that, the four living creatures. Who did we decide those were? Those were angels, right? Uh, we read about them in Isaiah chapter 6. We read, we read about them in Revelation. Those are angels. And what? And the what? 24 elders. Who did we decide that was? That was a representation of the church who received their crowns from the judgment seat of Christ, who fell down and worshiped Christ and threw their crowns at his feet. We see that the 24 elders, that's us, right? And they fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, with golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So there's a worship going on here, and look at what happens next. Let's look at, I want you to look at the one on your left first. Ready? And it says, and they sang a what? A new song. This is really good, because this is a song, evidently, that has never been sung in heaven before now. All right? And it's a song of Christ's redemption. Now, I want you to think about this just for a minute. In all the eternal existence of the presence of God in heaven, there's never been a song sung like this one. This is a brand new song. And this is what, the, and they sang, ready, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Ready? Read it. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, and ready, and you have made what? Them a kingdom and priest to our God, and what? And they shall reign on the earth. Now I want you to think about this. This is really important you follow. I'm going to try to make sure you understand it. But all of this is written in third person. 
And it's because of the Greek translation it's translated from. All right. Now look over. This is the New King James Version of that same set of verses. Let's read it. And they sang what? A new song. That's the same. Saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and they have what? Listen, this is different. They have, they, and have redeemed us to God for your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have what? Made us kings and priests to our God and what? We shall reign on the earth. So we see this passage is written in first person. Like they're singing about something that's happened to them like it's the church singing it. You know, this is what Jesus has done. Now I'm going to tell you why this reads like this. Um, there are uh, what we call the better manuscripts or the older manuscripts that Scripture is translated from, the older Greek manuscripts. There's not as many of them, but they're, they're much older than the ones that, and that's what they've translated the ESV by. And then there are the, what they call the majority text. And the majority texts are newer manuscripts that they found, and, that, and those were the first ones they found, actually, and that's what they translate the KJV, the New King James Version, by those, oh, those majority texts or newer manuscripts. Now, um, the translator for the majority text translates it in, third, in, third, in first person because that's the way the text reads. The translator for the one for the for the old the old text translated in uh, in first person or third person because part of it reads in third person and part of it reads in first person. Follow me, okay? So the first part of it, and they they translate this way for because they didn't understand how to do it. I mean, literally, this is all kind of new stuff that's coming along. So what happens is. This is the way this would read if we understand it as, listen, this is what's important. You just sang one, an antiphonal song. The flow of it makes sense if we're singing it, singing it, singing it. Everybody say sang it. Everybody say sang it. Sang. Right? As an antiphonal song. So this, was the, this is the way this would work. The four living creatures, they bust out with this. This is the way it sounds. And they sang a new song, sang... Worthy, but I'm going to have to get loud, the rain. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Now that is a correct, that is the way that should be translated, that's the way that should be read. The problem was, when they, were, they continued to translate, they said, wait a minute, this shifts to first person. This doesn't make sense. So they wrote it in third person. And it, but this is the way it should read. And uh, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And listen, this is where the church bust in in their antiphonal song. This is where the 24 elders join in the song and they say this. And you have made us, because that's the way the Greek text translated, a kingdom of priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So we have the 24 elders, I mean the the. Uh, four living creatures that start out and they're praising God they're praising Jesus because his blood was shed and he saved people and then the church joins in 
And they begin to sing, and they sing that his blood was shed for them. So they answer back in an antiphonal way to the four living creatures when they sing their part of the song. Why do I believe this? Uh, well, first of all, it's the way the text reads, but there's another reason why I believe this. If you go on, the antiphonal song in heaven builds. Look at this. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders. So he heard the angels, right? The four living creatures, the elders. He heard the church and the voice of many angels numbering what? Myriads and myriads, thousands upon thousands, thousands of thousands. What's going on here? There is a new song that's being sung in heaven that's building and getting more powerful as they sing it. It starts out with the four living creatures about Christ redeeming the church. The church joins in and they begin to sing about Christ redeeming them. And then the angels and, the, and thousands upon thousands join in and they begin to sing even louder and more. And the song just builds and builds and builds. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then the song builds more. And I heard what? Read it. Ready? Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and is the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And here it is. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And ready? And the elders fell down and worshipped. See, what I want you to understand, church, is before Christ breaks those seals, there is a praise that breaks out in heaven. And it's a praise that includes not only angels, but it also includes you. Because that's where you are at that time. And so the worship takes place in heaven and it builds into this incredible thing. So upon saying that, there are some of you this morning that you cannot say, you know, we've been talking about this rapture of the church when Christ would call his saved to heaven. And you, you can't say that you're among that number. Well, I want to tell you something. If you can't tell me that you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, when he calls his church, and he says, evidently, if we look at what he said, uh, birth pains, that we're getting close to that time, probably when he's going to rapture the church. So if he says that he's going to call his church to heaven, and know that, you know what the church is? It's those who believe that Christ died for their sins in accordance with the scripture, was buried and rose on the third day in accordance with the scripture. That, those are the ones that are going to be called up, caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The problem is this. If you're not among those, if you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, you will be left here for that tribulation time. I, told people, I tell people all the time, God put me on this earth to do one thing. You know what it is? To reach lost people. I, I tell people, I'm just an evangelist by nature. I love telling people about Jesus. 
I love telling people how to get saved. It's not hard at all, man. Don't make it hard. He wants to save you by his grace. And this morning, you may be sitting out there, and you may be thinking, man, I don't know. I, I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior, but I don't want to be here during that tribulation time. I want to be in heaven singing those songs with the church. Maybe that's you. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. I want you to give your heart to Jesus right now. So you can go with me, because I want you to be standing beside me singing. All right? I want you to be there in heaven with me as we praise God together uh, before that tribulation time hits. I want you to be there with me. So if that's you and you need to pray with me to trust Jesus, let's do that right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And as I lead you in prayer, you just repeat after me. And the band can come on up uh, right after we pray. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you can forgive me for my sin. And come and live in my life. And save my soul. I believe you rose again on the third day. And you live in heaven right now. And you live in the heart of the church. Jesus, would you come live in my heart and save me? And it's in your name I proclaim, I am saved. Woo, amen. You know what I was just thinking about? I'll, I'll tell you what I was just thinking about right now. I was just thinking about some Jesus answered with a thunder when you gave him your life, didn't he? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> ben, y'all, y'all come on up. We'll wait on you. Um, this morning I got a special treat for you. We've got a baptism.